This episode of the Kick Knowledge Podcast is powered by rapanalysis.com. Hi, welcome to the Kick Knowledge Podcast. My name is Steven. And I'm Zach. And we're two white boys who love to talk about hip hop. <laughs> We've got a very, 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 very special guest today, and actually this is the, usually we record over Skype, but now we have the amazing situation going on where we're actually in the same room as a true hip-hop legend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're rolling with the faux show logo, the open app. <laughs> um, we've got none other than Raka in the in the building. Yes. So give it up for Raka. The applause, you know. <laughs> hey, man! Thank you so much for uh, um, for uh, offering your time to us and uh, like allowing us to interview you, to talk with you mm-hmm. about about hip hop, about your music, about anything we uh, that might come up. Absolutely, um, no. I mean, it's good. I, I appreciate you guys coming down. It's been crazy weather. It's been raining. Neither of you guys are from from LA, so yeah. to come out here and have it be a, actually a beautiful sun. It's a little crisp, a little cold out, but it's yeah. still a sunny day. You know, so it looks right. Nice blue skies. It looks yeah. right on the camera. So yeah. you know. <laughs> I should say, not only are me and Steven in the same room right now, yeah. which is a first. Because that's but, a first. Because usually we record over Skype too. Cause yeah, we're always traveling and stuff. So oh, okay. It's cool. the first time we are in the same. In the same room and in the same room like with when we're like interviewing so, yeah, so this is yeah. very uh um, <laughs> very different well, let's do it let's but do in a it. good way yeah <laughs> all right oh wow um yeah so um i told you a little bit before we're the kick knowledge podcast we um our aim is to bring back um the fifth element of hip-hop right. um i know you're down with the well the other four elements definitely uh two um uh, I believe you came up as a, a graffiti artist. I definitely, right? I started as a graffiti artist. That was the that was how I actually got into music. Was um, running around with my man DJ Rob One, rest in peace. Uh, he was a graffiti artist, but he was also like early on. We were like thirteen years old, but he got some turn like some cheap turntables mm-hmm. and a mixer. And uh, yeah, that, that started. He's like, I need you to host this mixtape. I was like, How do you do that? <laughs> He's like, I don't know. We, we, where's the mic? I don't have a mic. We plug figure plug the mic the headphones into the mic jack and. We were like thirteen, made like a made a mixtape. Thirteen, yeah. So that's yeah. So that's in the in the in the eighties. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then so so from that you transition into a bit of DJing and right. and then the focus would eventually become rapping, right? MCing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. How does that? Um, were you ever into breaking? I mean, I was into it. I could never do it. I was into a lot of, I was into a lot of things I could never do. <laughs> but that was at the top of the list. Breaking and skateboarding were way up there yeah. of things I could really appreciate. In my mind, I could always do it. You know, like up until the first move you have to make, I had supreme confidence. Yeah. Up until the very first move, it just occurred to me like, oh, you can't bluff. No. But you, have to, yeah, you, can't, you can't bluff the actual action. You know, you could, you know, so no, nah, no. Nah, um, I was like, you know, I'm from LA, so it was, it was popping, it was locking, and things yeah. like that out here. Um, when B Boy came out to LA, when I was I was really young, but when I first saw it, it was like it looked more like gymnastics or acrobatic to mm-hmm. me. Like I did, so it seemed like something like that was a little bit. It didn't really feel approachable or achievable, oh, right. you know. Until I, as I started hanging out with cats, I started to see what you know the different physics and the body dynamics and what they're actually doing and the martial arts tie-ins and the gymnastics tie-ins and yeah. the dancing, all the oh, different yeah. things and how it ties into older cultures and all types of things. Um, but for me, I could never really 
it was just never my thing. I enjoy it. Like, even right now, like, I host Red Bull BC1s and things like that. Like, host big B-boy events, B-girl events around, like, host and MC. But I... Yeah, that's my that's my chamber right there. I'll, I'll you know into a little I'll host for them. They spend a lot of time doing back, being background dancers for MCs, so you know I can be a um, I can be a supporting cast member when it's time for them to shine as well. Yeah, yeah. nice. So um, when you were uh, uh, still really active as a as a uh, graph artist, graffiti artist, um, what were some of your of your tags of your um, I was I, I, even to this day it's still family as a crew called Creative Devastate CGD. Oh, cool. I create to devastate deep space blast off. Make you salivate like pets of Pavlov. Create to devastate? Yeah, create to devastate crew. That's like an 80s crew from LA. Um, family is CBS crew. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a big, it's a big, uh, it's a big thing. It goes way back. I mean, I guess the, the one that people know me for, the reason my name was Iris Science is because it was Iris, which is the part of the eye. So that yeah. was something I was moving around with a lot at the time. And that just broke broke off into Iris style, which I did a song called Iris Science, mm. and that oh, song yeah. people just start thought that was my name. Just so called you yeah. <laughs> and my real name is Raka, like my birth name is Raka. Yeah. So mm. yeah, it just became Raka, Raka Iris Science or Iris Science, but based on that song. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Wow. Um, is that sort of is is the fact that your name was Iris? Is that what uh, inspired Dilated Peoples? The name? Is that um, because it's like to a certain to extent? I mean, mm. to be honest. Okay. Um, Ev and I had a different. We were a group before. We had a different name. We were like heavy into the graffiti. Ev comes out the evidence comes out the graffiti scene also. We yeah. actually met originally. The first time we met was at a graffiti yard called the Motor Yard uh, on the west side of LA. Mm. Um, so we met as graffiti artists and later found out that we made music and ended up doing some some music together. Um, was the original uh, name of your duo? Um, at the time, I don't remember what the original original name was, but. <laughs> At the time that we ended up changing our name to what we're about to talk about now, it was called Fatliners. Ah, right. Okay, yeah, it's called yeah, Fatliners. Cool. And it was like Fatline graffiti lines and all sorts uh, of whatever. Okay. Um, of course. Yeah. But we had, uh, like, Lords of Brooklyn was, was out heavy at that time. Um, shout out to Caves, Lords of Brooklyn. Artifacts was, was making their move at that time. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were like, our la- we could tell our label at the time was trying to, it wasn't just like, what are you into? And let's use some of the images of that to be true to yourself. Mm-hmm. It was more like, what? Which you guys, you guys are gonna be the graffiti dudes or whatever? Like we're not, we're not into that kind of shtick type type stuff. So, um, and also the name Fatliners, Russell Simmons' nephew, the horrorcore was also coming out at that time. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a lot of the horrorcore stuff yeah. was happening. And he, they started Russell Simmons' nephew's group was called um, Flatliners. They started a group called uh, Flatliners, uh, and they were getting a little push at the time. And it was like, you know, we're really not trying to jump on a graf- graffiti bandwagon type thing. That was just something that we how we met and. We're not trying to, you know, get into a, a marketing or branding competition with Russell Simmons' yeah. nephew's group. Yeah. No, <laughs> so we ended up just, you know, it was a, it was a, a lot of flux and change at the time mm-hmm. anyway, and we ended up changing the name. So originally we were looking for a new name, and I called the group Expanding Pupils, mm-hmm. which to me makes obviously part of the eye, but also make growing students, like Expanding yeah. Pupils. Oh, yeah, okay. So I was, it was a... Like it was like a, well, I didn't name the group that. What I named my publishing company, Expanding Pupils, yeah. at the time, and I suggested that when we were thinking of a group name, like yo, why don't we make name the group Expanding Pupils? That's kind of ill. And Alchemist was actually like, you uh, know, it's, it would be ill. Dilated Peoples. 
He's like, that's like an army. With that. Mm. Alchemist came up with the name Dilated People. Wow, I didn't know that. Name, cool. Basically, Alchemist yeah, dropped the name on it to like flip the idea into from expanding pupils into Dilated People. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we just said, forget it. Instead of asking people what they think about it, the next person that calls and asks what's the group name, we just tell yeah, them it's called it Dilated People. <laughs> and everyone's like, cool, like, right, word. Cool. Yeah. How do you, everyone spelled Dilated wrong, even us, <laughs> even Ev at the beginning or whatever. Like, bro. <laughs> He's like, it's not even a real word. I just looked it up. It was such a, you know, like, it wasn't like a normal word in the normal mm. hip hop lexicon. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah, interesting. But yeah, that's how it happened. Nice, nice, nice. Um, you mentioned you met um, uh, you met evidence here in LA, but you right. I mean, you grew up in LA, but you grew up all over the place, right? You say, and um, and worst comes to worst. I got worldwide family all over the earth, and I worry about them all for whatever it's worth. Right. So uh, I believe your your uh, your mother is a Korean adoptee. Right. Yeah, my mother was an adopter from the Korean War. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So. And uh, and then you also spent some time in Hawaii, I believe. And yeah, Waimanalo on on Oahu side, country boy side, farmland. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, uh, Waimanalo, Hawaii, especially that's where my my, my younger brother was born there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, were you born in L.A.? I was born in L.A. Right. Culver City, yeah. Um, but we were raised at the t- you know growing up early, but t- primarily in L.A., but also spending a lot of time in Hawaii mm. and a lot of time in Ari- in Phoenix and Arizona where my dad's family was from yeah okay. lived at the time a, a ch- portion of my dad's family lived at the time so we were like LA or we were in the tropics mm-hmm. of Hawaii or we were in the desert of Arizona <laughs> like it was just a very diverse kind of spectrum of yeah. things so yeah we, I was I was definitely raised all but it's over. never really cold anyway like <laughs> no, <laughs> probably strangely Arizona probably got the coldest yeah. you know what I mean because the desert yeah. can get really cold yeah, yeah yeah for sure yeah yeah but, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bad day. Yeah, you had more experience with that than yeah, I Yeah, no, yeah, it can definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, so, how do you think that influenced you be, being not based in one? Because a lot of, like, if you look at hip hop in general, right. most artists, like, um, they really represent one one borough in New York or one right, hood right. or where, Absolutely. like, even a small, you know? Absolutely. But you, you must have experienced many different influences and. and well, I think it comes down to my openness to the, like, you know, Ice-T is from New Jersey or something, yeah, but he's right. known as the godfather of West yeah, yeah, Tupac yeah. is from New York or something, you know, originally born in, in the, on the East Coast. So Yeah, definitely. Mm. You know, um, Exhibit, I think, where's Exhibit from Detroit? Detroit and mm-hmm. then, you know, moved to New Mexico before L.A. Um, I yeah, think, I think you know, Exhibit is in, uh, he's in the Eight Mile movie, sort of, uh, because it's in Detroit. Right, exactly. And X is my brother. I know X is, yeah. I mean, we put him on our first album that never even came out when, I don't even think he had a record deal at the time. That was, right. We go way back, but. Wait, is that imagery and. Uh, imagery, uh, yeah. Imagery. Imagery, yeah. battle hymns, and, and political poetry. poetry. I was yeah. like, yeah, what's that thing called? <laughs> seemed like a good idea. You like you wrote that down? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a long ass name too. Uh, no, nah, it's um, yeah. Uh, Is that what the, I think moving around a lot basically gave me a kind of a feeling that I, although I have a base being in LA, that I really do have family all over the place, and that. I'm from LA, so who, how you know if someone's from Hawaii or Arizona or whatever, none of us that I'm talking about are from the South Bronx. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone came from like there was a we're all like the branches of the tree. You know, none mm-hmm. of us come from the original. You know, we're not the, the representing the original sea. We're all representing the branches of that of that tree. So I'm from LA, and it made me have the opinion like if it's live and it's from Hawaii, let's get into it. If it's yeah. live, and it's from Arizona or Texas or. Netherlands or wherever it happens to be like let's get into it and it gave me just a, I think a little bit more of an open mind mm-hmm. rather than being so LA specific because 
my the entirety of my bases and roots are in LA. That isn't the case. So it made me just I think have a, just a broader view of things and be more open to just if it's live. Let's I I, I really appreciate culture. I really love the fact that hip hop allows people rap music, but hip hop in general, but rap music specifically allows people from different places to jump on a, the same beat or the same rhythm or whatever yeah. and find the yeah. same comedy number and then express their own language, culture, situations, problems, celebrations, slang, beef, whatever, new styles bring in, you know, they might bring in patterns from, an, uh, you know, cultural type of music or something that or ancient poetry poetry is universal so there's different people that have been doing spoken word yeah. type of things from all over the planet for who knows for how long but to bring little elements of that into the way that we express it in hip hop it, it, it brightens the whole thing of course, whole, of course the, the tapestry of it all is, yeah is um, Hawaii is, is there a thriving hip hop scene in Hawaii absolutely yeah, oh, yeah sweet. for sure is it absolutely. influenced by like the Polynesian sort of you know there there is a little bit of influence but the but the Hawaiian scene is I mean, Hawaii, I mean, obviously Hawaii is a state in America and, you know, most of the people there aren't old enough that are into hip hop aren't old enough to <laughs> to have been in a time when they weren't influenced by popular culture here. Yeah. Um, you have a lot of in Hawaii, um, Tongans and Samoans. Yeah. And yeah. they have, you know, there's a rich history it's in a connection, Tongan Samoans in L.A. with, the, you know, even on the street side, on the gang side and yeah. things like that. So. It's influenced by a lot of things, but in Hawaii, I would say you get a lot more of, a, I guess, a local island flavor when you listen to the reggae, the local reggae out there. Mm. It's called Jawaiian. Like mm. a lot of the Jawaiian. or poly, the, a lot of the yeah. poly reggae is, it's not always called that, but that's what the, the genre is kind of named, you know, yeah. like it's Jawaiian. Okay. So it's kind of a mix of like home, uh, island Polynesian sounds and melodies and things, but with like a, but based in like reggae, kind of in a reggae expression of, mm. or like a more of an island twist, island spice flavor on on reggae and so and you, when you get out there there's like whole festivals that are like groups that are like very cool. steeped in this mixture of Polynesian and um, and reggae music but there's also a strong pure roots vibe out there as well but yeah hip hop in general is strong Pow Wow Hawaii's out there they do a big art art like a city um, uh, island wide art thing called Pow Wow Hawaii in Oahu every year and that's oh, like cool. they bring out the top artists from all nice. over and paint giant walls they, they, it's like in Honolulu or in a, it's in well on Oahu Honolulu's like one yeah, of the yeah, areas exactly. yeah but yeah but in Honolulu yeah down the yeah. street from yeah in Honolulu that basically that's into Hawaii like I don't know 10 years ago yeah I think so if you're on Oahu, then Hawaii, yeah. Honolulu is there. And on the other side of the island is, is um, Wamanalo, is like the country. The, yeah, the yeah, it's like east side, right? Exactly. Yeah, so yeah. that's where, where we come from. But but yeah, so, yeah, man, it's a... Yeah, so. yeah um, kind of going to your earlier point about kind of like hip-hop being this sort of like just, just this universal international thing. I mean, I guess we're kind of proof of that because we... He's from the Netherlands, mm-hmm. and yeah. then we met in in England. England. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, at like an international hip hop conference, Crazy. and then Crazy. like and that always fast like fascinates me. We were talking to Eric Sermon a, a couple weeks, weeks yeah, yeah, a few weeks ago, and he talked about like how when they went on tour, like whether it's like Europe or South America, or whatever, like they might not have even have like spoken English, but they knew every single word. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. For and sure. Like, they for just sure. got it, you know, so that's sort of you to the point that he said that like, especially Europe was the place to go for touring. Right. In the right. sense that you, you can sell out like massive venues there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, eat like, and, and like the, especially like the, yeah, Eric Sermon's point was that sort of the eighties and nineties, uh, sort of artists that came up in the eighties and nineties, mostly, uh, in hip hop, American artists that yeah. they could like still sell out. Everything. Absolutely, absolutely, and and 
I understood that really early because when I was going, when I would wonder where the people that I was growing up listening to, like what they've been doing, you know, I know them, I might follow them and find them myself, but they're not being presented to me. Like, where are they live? Like, how are they still thriving? And I found out that a lot of them were in Europe and I started doing a lot of research on, you, know, you talk about Jimi Hendrix, you talk about a lot of people that found their success over there mm-hmm. and people that found new success after their careers had stalled. And you start to realize at that time, unfortunately it's gotten a lot closer, but at that time, the, the, this, you know, we're talking about the, ni- the late nineties still. Mm-hmm. Um, I started to realize that this isn't, it isn't so pop culture based in Europe. It's more of a, there's an understand appreciation of culture and the craft mm-hmm. craftsmanship. It's a different thing. America's such a new country and everything is just built on top of it. You know, mm-hmm. for the most part that, it doesn't, you know, the culture and the depth and roots of culture mm-hmm. isn't necessarily appreciated like it would be in a place that has so much of a diverse, so much of a rich back culture. And mm-hmm. and to have to have hip hop here, you know, like graffiti pieces here be considered vandalism trash and then go into Europe and see them celebrated in yeah. museums or have the music, yeah. you know, you're talking whatever, you're not even making sense. And over there, they're, we're having studies on how the lyrics break down and what they mean and or the beats and the rhythms and, how, you know, how they connect to other exactly. things and drumming. It's just a different approach. So what I realized really early was that um, there is a base of culture. There is a base of understanding. Um, there's a desire to really learn and dig into the culture there on a general level. And that a lot of the artists there also are taking the time to actually educate themselves as part of the process. They don't just assume that their experience, whatever that happens to have been, was enough of an education to put them in a position to start presenting that to the world at that time. Mm. Nowadays, the ego is different than it was, but this is yeah. at that time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what we had was a situation where I just, I just kind of looked at the scene and realized like we can wait until our career is stalled and then try to restart it in Europe because I know that it's possible because yeah. we come from a golden age and we have a hit record or two that, you know, like a, a classic record or two and this, that, you know, we have, I know I, we have the elements necessary to, to, to do, do that. sort of a nostalgic kind of. Of course, like yeah. very easy. But what I did was just realize really early, like we could also invest right now. We could take our time right now and build up, we could build it up simultaneously. And that just means maybe we have to take a trip out here and make a little less money the first time yeah. to invest and show them that we know how to rock and that right. we can do this. And we could go back anytime we want. Like at this point, we've, and we've never had a problem. We didn't have to wait for anything. We never had to wait for an album campaign or, mm. you know, we're headlining festivals that, yeah. that, people we're backstage with people that we can't you know in america we wouldn't even be in the on the same date you know what i mean mm-hmm. it wouldn't even be the, they're like what do you got like we're about to go on right now they're like really we're going on after you like yeah we're, we'll leave you some have fun you know what i mean like <laughs> <laughs> it's just the nature of what it is so you know um i think unfortunately now that it's closing the gap is closing a little bit yeah. the access has meant that even over there you don't you don't you know there's people that same here like just disposable music disposable this there's no filtration system or anything else so everyone has access so you got to take the bitter with the sweet of that but I, ultimately what harm is it to me personally to turn the station or to whatever like if, if as an as a as a consumer i would rather have a lot of stuff to turn to filter through to find a couple things that would have never made it through in the old system yeah than to just have the old system be in place so i, I don't have to be bothered by being presented with things i don't like which ultimately ultimately i could turn off anyway so Rather than being bitter and whatever, I just choose to support what I enjoy. And that's usually on a, on a worldwide level. Like I support what I enjoy rather than hate and, and spend the time and energy mm. trashing what I don't agree with or whatever yeah. the case is. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's, yeah. there's better ways to spend that energy. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of going off that, 
you know, talking about kind of this day and age and sort of the world of the internet, like how significant do you think kind of like regionalism, I guess, in hip hop is? Because yeah. I feel like it's like when, you know, you have, you know, especially with like really big artists, like right. there's, I feel like less of an emphasis on like where they're from or like the specific sound. And it's, there's like this homogeneity i guess well yeah. Uh, yeah well there's a lot of that that has to do with program directors also like mm. it, it, there used to be local program directors mm, and basically right, it went right. from a thousand to 500 to 250 mm. to and it just to, to now there's like two people controlling the whole He's country saying we're, we're going to decide what they're playing in all these markets maybe not that's an exaggeration maybe mm. maybe not maybe not sadly it might not even might might really be two people <laughs> at this point yeah but ultimately it went from each market saying okay what do we want to support what do we want to promote? We have a local advertiser. We have local businesses to support. Mm. Now a big company just buys out ad space across the whole. It's just everything is just big business now. And mm. big companies, communication companies buying up smaller radio stations, yeah. local program directors turning into nationwide or, you know, uh, coastal or regional or whatever, four regions, north, mm. south, east, west, or however they break it down to program directors. Mm-hmm. It creates the... There's always, with the internet, there's always an opportunity to do anything that you want to do yeah, and put it yeah, out. Exactly. But as far as having a real legitimate media platform to present to the world, they're basically dictated. Kind of look at it like, yeah, there's a couple independents that'll slip through, but regardless of what you want to call it, democracy in America is kind of based on Democrats and Republicans. They're giving you the two choices as an yeah. illusion of choice. It's like, really, do you want this? But it's like, which finger do you want to get hit with? You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to get, it's all connected to the same hand. Which, you know what I mean? Like, and that's kind of like, that's kind of, that's how it is with, with I think, with, with music um, selection. Mm-hmm. So when, when artists are making records, they realize, like, I'm from Atlanta, but you know, the person that's programming this music, it might not be from Atlanta, or they might not be from New York, or they might not be from wherever. So I have to, no. you, you're shooting at the middle. You're shooting at like, basically you're making pop music. You're mm-hmm. effectively saying, how can I take what I do and make pop music? And that's- Make it, make it be, like, um, make those media people like select your- Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. the media people want the lowest, they want the easy, they don't want to work. You know what I mean? For the most part, like no. these, they're like, if they can do, if they can make just the A, play these five records and all of them go platinum, they're great. They can go on vacation. They're not trying to change culture or do anything. They're trying to adjust the bottom line. If they can keep the ratings up, then they're going to get more money or get more sponsors and they get a promotion. It's all not, none of it is based in music. None of it is based in culture. None of it is even based in entertainment for that matter. Mm-hmm. It's all based in big business, all based in people in the middle, understanding that their job is to maintain the status quo of this operation, this particular mm-hmm. operation. And if they do, they can succeed in that at the expense of real music and real musicians or real artistry or real creativity because none of that has a place in big business. That's Those are wild card. Mm. If one slips through, great. That opens up a whole nother lane that we can exploit. Like yeah, if this yeah. changes things, now there's going to be a thousand of them. That means we can sign a thousand of these, but we're going to let it hit on itself. The things we are going to invest in are the things we know or we can decide, we can make a decision to make something successful if we want to focus all of our energy and resources in that as well. So. It's a kind of a crazy system, but mm. it, it all connects with why the sound is the way that it is. Because yeah. the people that are making the music are also being presented with the the effects of this system mm. or the, the the results of this system. The mm. res- they're, you're not listening to your regional sounds. You're not creating, carving out a new new flavors or whatever. Like that's not what you're there for. You're 
job, unfortunately, is just trying to make what's on the radio right now <clears throat> or on video right now. And as an artist, you realize that's how you get paid. Yeah. But you also quickly realize that's how you find yourself no longer being respected as an innovator. And you always have to go. You're always behind by, by the nature of following and, the and, truth. Uh, aside from being respected as an innovator, yeah. I feel like uh, right now the sort of trap sound from Atlanta with the, mm. the, 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 the like the triplet flows, you know, which I mean, like like Chuck D was doing that back in the day already, but like so the Migos kind of introduced that back into the or I don't know if they introduced it, but sort of associated yeah, they're they're associated with it. Yeah, the Migos flow they call it. Yeah. But um, like to the point, like everybody's doing that now to the point that um, like I, I guess Zach now and it's I, like. You know, Taylor Swift is singing over a trap beat, and I'm like, "What's happening?" Like, yeah, because it's not, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's not connected to anything. It, it becomes yeah, it's just this. Yeah, it becomes spice. Like, imagine if you just have a buffet, right? Yeah, you don't care. Like, and someone's like, "Yo, um, Hawaiian barbecue is live, is fresh right now." You're just gonna okay, move the meatloaf out the way, put a tray of Hawaiian barbecue there, so we can just be relevant. Like, yeah. that's really what it comes down to. They don't care about it. They just it's just another spice or another tool. To offer to people to keep themselves relevant or to make themselves seem edgy or to give themselves a new spice because ultimately as artists you know who you are yeah like okay let's say i'm a piece of bread like am i <laughs> cinnamon toast am i french toast <laughs> am i gonna be a pb and j what am i gonna be today i'm just bread you know what I mean? so <laughs> you're going around especially pop artists yeah they're not they're not necessarily known for the depth of what they're doing anyway they're known as being the the face of songwriters and producers yeah. and a movement or whatever the case is and they have to be talented in their own right to do that, oh, yeah. to carry, to keep it all together. But all separate. And most often, more often than not, there's a team behind them. They're the face of that team. Yeah. So yeah, there. It's easy for them to say, okay, you know what? I like this one song. Okay, yo, we should bring a little bit of that. Can we do a little, like that one Migos song? And yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, we do. Now we got the one yeah, Migos exactly. song. And so yeah, that's the nature of what it is. Like I, you know, I don't, I, again, like I don't, I just, I just turn turn it off or or hit <laughs> fast forward or just. Yeah, grumble once, like old man grumble once and put on something else. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's easier for me to do it because I know this. It's like, okay, this is what it is. Like you can't, you're not going to edge You can't go back and be like, okay, I know you guys are rich and successful. You guys are making billions of dollars, but you're not doing it right. You got to go back now, change everything and infuse. Like we missed that. Like we missed the opportunity yeah. for that generation. They're already in effect. But what we can do is balance out other generations by taking the time to educate them properly. So the wave that's happening right now, it got to crash. I can't stop the wave. That's, the momentum is already happening. Like I, now, it's about navigating the situation, understanding that it too will pass. And rather than being a, 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 a just a passenger or a, um, a, someone in the crowd, you know, uh, mm -hmm. for the for the the situation next time for the next wave of things. Now, you know, we play a more active role. You know? I came. Uh, we came. Uh, we came across an, an interview with you from I think 2010. Uh, yeah, we did a research. And uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, the the issue of autotune was raised and you mentioned well after Jay-Z made Death of Autotune I feel like right now if you're doing that it's you're already sounding dated yeah but like eight years later there's like because of those programs still it's thing, still yeah. it's still going nah, but what it is is it's not about but it didn't continue in that way no it what it did was it came way. back yeah. in a different way like it's everything is sure. gonna the afros bell bottoms you know what I'm saying like I should do skinny pants to tight you know <laughs> yeah. baggy pants like you know what i mean like what do i have like those vans are back in style now like they were when i was a little kid like you know now they're you know the biggest thing in the world whatever like is things are going to come back in style it's yeah. a matter of mm. what what made it go out like jay-z snuffed the last t-pain 
Yeah, Ask T-Pain how he feels about it. Like, he, like, he'll yeah. tell you right now, like, man, Jay-Z probably cost me that Bugatti right now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, maybe, maybe, not to say that he lost it all, but just to say that was a, a, a broadside hit on a movement to have someone that, yeah. that's in a position to take a, a polarizing position on something that in itself is polarizing. Yeah. You know, like, you make people choose sides at that point. Is Jay-Z right? Is he wrong? Is it, you know, and then how do you respond to that or whatever? So, and Jay-Z's got a lot of leverage, so I feel like course. a lot of hip-hop... Heads were like, well, if Jay-Z's like... If, if the song is live, if the situation is live, yeah. like, then it is what it is. You know what I mean? And so people have to, you have to adjust. At a certain point, there's a tipping point. There's a, there's a, there's a point of no return in that situation. And then you have to either reinvent it or do something else. And so YT Pain is still getting paid right now. He re, he's writing and he's doing Purdue. He's doing other things for other people like he was TV before. stuff too. TV right? stuff, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah, like yeah. On, on top of that. Plus, he's still making music. Yeah. 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 Whatever else is happening, as long as people understand, okay, pop culture is going this way. And the, the, but of course, I'm sure when, if, if, if right after that, every for a long time, as soon as that record came out, mm-hmm. people coming out were like, ooh, man, like, yeah. is this better than the death of this you know what i'm saying like what did this <laughs> yeah. did this resurrect it i don't know it just sounds like a dope pop song with auto-tune now and it does mm-hmm. it kind of reinforces what the dude is talking about yeah mm-hmm. and so it took a minute for people to find a new style and a new way to bring in the technology again like okay like let's do it again you know mm-hmm. it'll go out again yeah and it'll come back again yeah. in a new way and new people will come bring it back to the forefront i mean like with uh, uh uh roger Troutman. california Absolutely, uh, it, it was that sort of vocoders. Yeah, vocoders, of course, a thing for yeah. for decades. Of course, yeah. of course, yeah, definitely. And then, kind of, so now we're kind of talking about kind of like how the mainstream is sort of like influencing, right. and obviously it's like, um, so kind of in contrast to that, like, what do you think of kind of currently the influence or significance between like the mainstream? And then, like the underground, or like the differences between right. that, and I think that the it, it feels like my opinion mm-hmm. is that mainstream hip hop is shooting for pop. Mm. Yeah. Whether or not they want to keep the integrity of what they're doing intact is mm-hmm. not the question. But the goal for mainstream hip hop is to wedge itself in as a pop factor. Mm-hmm. Like the goal of underground hip hop is usually either to maximize your own, what you can do inside of your parameters, mm-hmm. like in those situations, or maybe to achieve what you can, what you would feel to be mainstream hip hop. Yeah. But usually underground hip hoppers aren't trying to jump past mainstream hip hop to go right into pop. Mm-hmm. So the targeting is a little bit different. I think mm-hmm. the positioning of what people are trying to achieve is different um, nowadays. But a lot of times it's still a feeder league. It's still a situation where people are like, okay, let's see what happens in the underground because of the technology. Like what was considered underground hip hop at a, at a certain time might've been just about a, a particular style or sound. Mm-hmm. And now it's about more access and level positioning of level because I mean, I don't even, to be honest, I don't even know who does what song. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, not, I mean, they might even be good songs, but I wouldn't be able to say, differentiate myself because I don't, I'm not watching the videos. I'm not seeing the visuals. I just hear songs on the radio and I hear like the style of what music is right now is in a certain zone right there. So I don't know who's who unless I see them actually doing it. Yeah. Um, but I do know that 
we also at a, at a certain time there was a focus also on individuality being a key component of hip hop. Mm. Like a fundamental part of hip hop is that you don't sound like somebody. You could be influenced as long as you give them respect. Don't bite, but you could be influenced, of course. Like especially if it's of a past generation, like that's you're giving, you're paying respect or whatever. But to be the to have a situation where you look at what's going on and say, okay, let me do my version of what's going on right now. Like that was shunned. Well, now it's like championed. You know, it's it's the it's the the, the, the it's been a paradigm shift in how you know in that way. So. You know, but again, as far as there's no bitterness, there's no anger. You just have to recognize it for what it is and know mm-hmm. that, you know, it's not going to be the same in 10 more years either. Like these, a lot of these kids right now that are saying, oh, you're old or you're bitter or whatever. In 10 years, someone's going to be like, oh, you're old and you're bitter and you're whatever. And like, that's the nature of punk rock. That's the nature of hip hop. That's yeah. the nature with rock and roll. That's the nature of what it is. It's like. Yeah, I am old and bitter. Like, you know what I'm saying? Of course. I know what's going on in the world. Like, when I was that, you know, that's the, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But I also support what you're doing. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, because yeah, to be honest, it's not about it. Because there are still plenty of people that are classic, that are cl- classic boom bap dudes. There's still a whole movement of kids that are young kids that are like, I love this. I love, I'm rapping. I'm spitting. I got lyrics. I got bar. They're not the ones that are blowing up they're not lit they're not this they're not that they're not making trap beats they're not in the clubs so what i don't care like wasn't like it was no. that but if they're doing that and they want to do that rather than spend my energy again being mad at the people that are doing what i don't like i'll reach out to the kids that are doing what i do like and give them some bars some advice give them some bars introduce them to some people and try to advance their career to keep doing with so you have a situation like a, a, a kid that knows how to stay true to himself but also reach the masses someone like a Joey Badass or something mm, yeah. that comes from a boom bap background mm-hmm. that static selector he's, right, he's spitting over beats he's a spitter mm-hmm. but then he also figured out a way to build a bridge into what's happening right now like yeah, whatever's happening right now I can do that too I can figure out a way to connect with that by, by being true to myself and that to me is like a perfect example of how why you don't have to hate why it's not about yeah. age it's a it's a it's, a, it's you know there's there's opportunities to do it if the if the person there recognizes that this is cultural and i'm steeped in this yeah. let me let me make sure my roots are healthy then their branches can reach out to who and work with whoever like I, if joey badass did a song with migos tomorrow it wouldn't surprise me no if joey badass did a song over premiere beat with royce to five nine on the new prime record wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me oh, and man. i think he would kill both of those it's true it's because true. his fundamentals are so strong he yeah. can do either one like you know what i mean like it doesn't matter but i can spit like i'm a spitter i can write and i can spit and that to me gives you the base to spread your branches out as far as you can yeah. go so yeah. yeah there's no reason Definitely. to hate just support who, who you're doing who you consider is doing correctly support that yeah it's interesting what you uh what you're saying about like the diversity in in styles uh nowadays compared to like an earlier era uh when we talked to uh eric sermon right. mm. he, he mentioned 1988 and the golden era of 1988 where you had 20 rappers that sounded different and they all went gold and platinum Nobody had to sound like nobody. The beats was interesting. The creativity—that's what we're missing. Right, of course. Um, we and had tours like N.W.A. and De La Soul, and like just random, like just because everyone was so different. Like you didn't find five De La Souls to go tour together because no, there was a movement so of that. Gonna, yeah, if you're in a tour with another act, it was 
Like Definition. we both rap. Like we both rap. So let's get get on stage and rock the crowd, and you rock it like you rock it, and I rock it like I rock it, and everyone rocks it their own way. And that was the the beauty of it at the yeah. time. Like we're, this is diversity. We're showing the spectrum of it is. And nowadays it's more like okay, let's get a sponsor involved. This is let's get these groups together because they kind of sound similar and the fan bases are similar and we can market to them in one place and yeah it's like the tours are like uh, related artists on Spotify or something like you get this and this sounds similar and uh, that's sort of how they pick up because it was it was a situation where there was a natural synergy that was recognized by big business as beneficial to big business so big business support is supporting the synergy up to the point that it's beneficial to their their own particular goals, yeah. which is expansion is a big business. They want to be bigger. Big business has never wanted to be smaller. It's the nature of what it is. Like I need more. Feed me. You know what I mean? Yeah, the more, the more it gets, the more it wants. So you know, yeah, nothing that, is that safe. Would be weird capitalism. Yeah, yeah. 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 let's nothing get is, smaller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I've uh, I think both of us. Uh, what I've always really appreciated about Dialogue Peoples is that while your sound has evolved over time. It's always stayed true to itself. It's always stayed unique. And I've never had the sense that there was any real external pressure or that just made you go into a different direction. I felt like it was um, like like how how sort of the projects evolved over time Mm. was more like personal growth or uh, Mm. rather than any of these external pressures that we're talking about right now. Like seeing that oh that kind of flow or that kind of production style that's what sort of yeah the thing to do right now right. I've never felt like um, you guys didn't do that and I, I guess you were sort of because you're in sort of in a uh, like an underground act mm-hmm. with mainstream appeal mm-hmm. I would say um, you were in a position to, to do that but do you think um, th- that is that that lies at the core of the longevity I mean, ultimately, to be able to be yourself and grow, I mean, is the goal of, of people. Like, you want to be who you yeah. are, but you always want to grow and become better yeah. and you yeah, want to exactly. experience more. And, and, and if there are positive things that you feel should become a part of the tapestry of who you are as a person, you want to implement those things and, you know, put them into your toolbox or whatever the case is. So, um, yeah, I think to a certain extent that does light the core of the, the, the fact that dilated peoples, I think here's, here's one thing that's important. Dilated peoples is a group but it's also a crew mm. we met like mm. when i met ev we were individual graffiti artists already rhyming separately we you know ev the reason we hooked up to do a song in the first place was because um we met doing graffiti but ev was like yo my next door neighbor at the time like two doors down or next door to him was qd3 lived in mm. venice at the time jones quincy jones son, right? son yeah, yeah. Quincy, qd3 had just done like qd3 sound lab with justin warfield and Oh, wow. You know, uh, there was pose, a bunch of different people. Like he had like his own whole project that was popping at the time. Um, he was producing LL and um, mm, yeah. I mean, who he was producing everybody. You know what I mean? Like he was just it was just popping. Um, so we hooked up to do a song as individuals, and then it was like let's. It kind of formed into a group, and then years later we added Babu to the group. Yeah. But we always approached um, what we did with the understanding that we're solo artists that are coming together to do this song or this album or this tour or this record deal. And, and when this deal is done, we're going to split off. And, and that's why Ev's doing so like, people like, you guys broke up? Like, nah, read every interview we ever did. Like, we're always posted like this. We don't, there's nothing new here. Like, we just, mm-hmm. it just took a long time for us to like, yeah, we're going to have a solo album soon and da 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 
So people are used to like the moment somebody comes with the solo album. Absolutely, like, absolutely. I'm like, I'm on that record. I, I spent <laughs> half of last year in the studio with Ev. It seemed like it, was, it really wasn't that long, but it seemed like it. Like working on songs, I had I wasn't even on the record. Just what should we do here? Like what you know, getting perspective and as as family, like trying to figure it out. And you know, people think whatever they think. It's funny to me. It's funny to us even to watch, like, look at things and people to see, like, have opinions and think they know what's going on. And we're like, yo, well, we're having, we're chilling right now. Like, we're here <laughs> on the same couch right now. Like, <laughs> never mind. We have to put the edit that one. But um, yeah, yeah. Right now, oh man, make sure you beep all that. I don't have people wondering what's happening right now on the couch. Don't do that. <laughs> um, no, but to answer the question. Um, so what I think it is, is that the fact that dilated peoples exist out of agreement, like we decide as dilated peoples, like this is what we want to do. This yeah. is what we want to, this is the platform we want to share. And so we're all bringing forth something that's balanced and bringing it to the table saying, this is what we're comfortable presenting. This is what we want to present. We can do whatever we want to do on the one solo song we have on the, on each record. And we yeah. can do whatever we want to do in our entire solo career outside of this record. But the rest of this record is, is consensus basically. Yeah. And I think that that consensus gives us, we all come to the table at every project and realize like, okay, we're still on the same moat. We're here because we know what we're here to do. We, we want to do it. But yo, I just got off tour with so-and-so. So we bring, we know we're there. We're in the same kitchen. We know we're you, but we all pull a little satchel out, some extra little spices that we just got from our travels. And it adds a little bit more to the mix every time. But we're there to, to handle our business as dilated peoples. We don't want to be redundant, but that's the, the purpose. There's not a laboratory like we, you know, we go there and it's an expression of uh, the three of us together. When the three of us form together, it's dilated peoples. When yeah. it's not the three of us together, then as, it's, when the three of us form together, it's dilated peoples, the group. When it's when we're not moving like that, then dilated peoples is still a crew and it's still a family. Yeah. And for us, we can shift back and forth with no problem at all. But for other people, I guess the closest thing to, to describe it maybe would be like Wu-Tang yeah, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah they're crew, they're a group, yeah. they're jumping in. And that's us. Like, I might not even speak, like, I don't know when the last time I talked to Babs, maybe a few weeks ago or something, but I think he just hit me yesterday about the Beat Junkie anniversary that's coming up. Ooh. Shout out to the Beat Junkie Institute of Sound. Yeah, um, <laughs> so I'll call him, I'll probably go down there and support. Like, we're family, like, we're, we're grown, we're adults, we have families, and we are family. So we have an understanding that we're related regardless we don't have to like falsely try to water something to keep it alive mm -hmm. it just exists it's, it just is so yeah we, we're good and i think that the essence of that that understanding and that respect of space between us between us gives us the base that is the dilated sound so right, we know what right. we're coming together to do yeah. as dilated people so we do it and we give each other as much space and support as possible to do anything else we want to do as solo artists yeah yeah and then kind of another thing about dilated peoples that I think is really cool is just like how you guys kind of like share like multiple skill sets like I mean like with 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 evidence like I mean he raps but he also like does production right absolutely and then yeah, yeah. I've, I've read that you do a little bit of production yeah I mess around man I mean I, I was like I you know I, I probably think I taught Babu how to use an MP it's just mm -hmm. I don't I don't it's not my thing like I don't it's not my I don't get joy in it like technically mm -hmm. speaking I know how to make program beats or whatever so when the time comes, I can lend my opinion to certain things. Right. I know what I want to hear. You I know when something's stuff. off. Yeah, you know how it works. You know how to... My position is less on the beat making side and more on the outside of hip hop um, expression of what production is. Mm -hmm. You know, um, where the 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 producer might not make the music. They might the producer might be perspective. They might be coming in here to say, okay, I hear everything that you guys are trying to do, but this needs to come up more. 
this needs to be cut the song in half, make it three sections instead of five. Like basically taking the parts and putting it together in the right way. Almost more of an editor type situation. More of like a, sort of the the old school sort of definition of what a producer. The was. old school, yeah, exactly. That's what I said. The non hip hop version exactly, or expression exactly. of like, like, like uh, and rock and pop and almost every other than EDM and hip hop, maybe uh, maybe mm-hmm. a couple other things. Most other types of music, it, it definitely wasn't. The producer wasn't synonymous with the musician no, or the or the, the no, person who made the music. Definitely. Not at all. That was a person you brought in to make that record better or to make the project better. And I think that for me and my perspective, studio wise, I think my main thing is I don't have the patience for the repetition of it. Like Evan Babs can sit in the studio and listen to the same beat, same old loop, and refine it yeah. for a you know ten twelve hours. Like I don't have like. Like visually, I, like I do branding in my, like I've, for for mad years, I've done crazy branding and strategy stuff. So if I'm working on a visual project and I'm in my computer, I'm creating a logo, creating artwork or something like that, then I have to go through the same process relative mm-hmm. to the visuals. But for some reason, the fact that it's not the song playing over and over and over mm-hmm. and over, it's just me trying to refine a visual piece. I can do it for ten hours if I need to as well. But mm-hmm. I listen to the same that, song. Is there your graffiti background? That, maybe that, so. Yeah. Perfection, yeah, maybe so. But. The music over and over again, like I don't have the, I can't do it. I can't. I don't care what record it is. Like it's after like an hour, of, uh, two hours, the like hearing fatigue that you get at some. Oh yeah, point, right? of course. Studio, yeah, at some I point, you, you can't even hear. Like, you got to take a break from mixing or something. Yeah. Once I can go to sleep in the studio, I've been there too long. Like once I get tired and it's crazy loud, and I'm just like, oh, I'm just gonna lay on this couch and just. <laughs> like, that's when I know because I'm, I'm like I, usually when I sleep I need to be dark and quiet or whatever mm-hmm. but once I've got to the point where I'm just, I'm just yeah. tu- that means I've just tuned it all out like yeah. I don't really care about anything else I'm just tired I'm just gonna go physically yeah. you're still there yeah. but yeah. mentally, mentally I'm, I'm gone already so yeah they, they don't have they have the patience for that I really don't have the patience for it to do it but I like the process like let's do this or when they bring it to me like what should we do where should we the drops be or should we be how should we sequence the record you know things like that, that I'm, I'm with that 100% nice yeah. alright um, let's see. Right, so in terms of musical influences, I know um, that uh, KRS One, Public Enemy, Beastie Boys, Rakim, Cool G Rap, guys like that sort right. of um, are higher your list like of, of influences, right? In hip hop. Um, what's interesting, I guess, is that. Um, uh, a lot of those are old school artists, and sort of because of that, it, a lot of that is sort of New York, right? right? Um, do you think uh, if you compare sort of dilated peoples, your mm-hmm. solo work, if you compare that to almost stereotypically West Coast hip hop, right? It's not as West Coast sounding. Not at all. No. So, but uh, I will say this, and I, here's what I will say: that, and this is an interesting twist on where you're going with this. All right. It is not at all what is considered to be the traditional West Coast sound. No. Unless you listen to Straight Outta Compton. Yeah. Which is hard beats, hard rhymes, scratches, East yeah. Coast flows. Unless you listen to that whole thing, you want to. If you want to go back now, G Funk is not. Yeah. G Funk is not, which is nineties. But our, our, uh, but we grew up. We're older, so Mm. us listening to the people that were as kids. What is in the stores right now? What are we listening to on in on the radio? Mm -hmm. It's somebody that'll be a few years older than us. And at that time, even the people coming out the West Coast, they didn't. There was no. They were trying to do what they were. They were listening to Run DMC and everything, Fat Boys or whatever else was on the radio at the time in the, in the early 80s, too. So they were like, OK, I want to do that. It was a while before. I mean, the 
other side of that, speaking to Eric Sermon, if you think about like the traditional EPMD sound, the sound like West Coast, that could be considered the West, a West Coast yeah, sound. Yeah, because like he's from Brentwood, he's uh, Long Island. Long Island. Oh, yeah, people like he said from Brentwood, from California, he was from Brentwood. California, because yeah, exactly. it's funky and all that. So it's at that time it was more like a flavor. It wasn't like an East Coast sound. Hip rap music was from the East Coast. Like that was just with the nature of what it was. So, yeah. so there was no East Coast sound. There was just authentic, traditional, or classic, or yeah. whatever. It was just what it was. Once it spread out, people were like, oh, that sounds a little different. All from Miami. That's why they're all from LA. That's why they did it like this. Yeah. But maybe they're a little twang. But yeah, Cuban, and they were spitting. They were. You know, there's all kind of scratching, so wild and layer stuff going on. There was public. It was basically like Bomb Squad production. Listen to Ice Cube, um, America's Most Wanted. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like yeah, listen to Kill It Will, the EP that came after that. You know what I mean? Like before, America's Most Wanted is all produced by Bomb Squad, right? I believe so. It's maybe maybe Puma or Jinx might have done a record or two, but for yeah. the most part, it was all it was all Bomb Squad. And he's spitting in his cuts and his layers, and he's killing it. And that's also late '80s. Yeah. If you, or when it, what was that, 89, 90, yeah, 90, 90, 90, something yeah. like that, 90 when it came out? I think out? he left NWA in the, it, that's it, right. 90 it came out, exactly, so something like that, so that's right at that time in Houston, you know, you talking about 88 to 90 in that era right then, like it's that time when there were like a, people started, everything was just happening together, like yeah. that's why Ice Cube and a, a Bomb Squad could just work together, like oh yeah, put, put, the, yeah, yeah. perfect, let's just yeah. do it, Yeah. Um, and then as Things kind of let's get into some, some low rider music, some cruiser music, because the other side of LA music was like Art LeBeau show or like the low rider cruising oldies or the crunch right down here, Crenshaw Sundays, the low riders on Sundays. They would go to Venice Beach during the day, then at night they'd be down here on Crenshaw right down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was more like they'd be listening to old oldies and it was like more groove oriented. We're not rocking the show, we're vibing. We're trying to go pick up some girls and have some drinks and smoke yeah, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. And we get to fly cars. We're not, you know what I'm saying? We're just going to cruise out. And, and so a lot of the music that came later became more like car music because if you think about the culture of LA, it's a car-based culture. New yeah, York is a, not a car-based culture necessarily on, the, on a practical day-to-day yeah, I mean, level. This is yeah. nobody has. Um, yeah, where you're going with this. My yeah. professor, um, or soon to be professor, I'm doing a PhD in mm. uh, Bristol in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, about to do. Or about to yeah. like start. But um, Justin Williams, uh, he's like, he wrote a whole book, Rhyming and Stealing. Uh-huh. It's all about musical borrowing and hip hop. And he has a whole chapter on like the West Coast. Like how, the, so, how the car the car became oh, influenced the the, the, style the sound music. right absolutely and the the thing was absolutely. what he argued is that so the the low end the focus on the low end was basically to drown out like the noise of the road and that's mm-hmm. sort of the whole the the sort of the mix was all intended to be listened to in the car absolutely and mm-hmm. and nobody in New York's gonna make music like that because yeah. nobody yeah, that's not their experience they're like why would I listen to this yeah exactly exactly yeah. They, or exactly so. To a large extent, yeah, the car, the way, and the and the fact that it wasn't just that you're in the car, but the people that own the cars understood that mm-hmm. the people were going to be spending a lot of time in this. Yeah. So they were creating the speaker systems and these things that exactly. would create, like, I need the loudest, cleanest bass. Like, but it has to be clean. It can't rattle. Don't no. rattle the trunk. You know what I mean? Boom. Which yeah. encompasses. So you're in the car, wherever you go, it's like it's like driving around in the headphones. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. Like exactly. if you put wheels yeah, on headphones. Yeah, the whole car is like the set of headphones. But you just but you got to get down down the street. Around you, like down the street, like uh, they're in Hollywood. They'll be down. They're just down the street. They're in Hollywood. That's 45 minutes away in LA from, yeah. from here. That's down the street though in LA. 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Like mm-hmm. 
you know, like I take a 30 minute, I'm in Rotterdam from Amsterdam in 45 minutes or something. 30, 45 minutes. 45 minute train ride. Like, you know what I'm saying? 45 minutes, I'm from crossing, I'm still on the west side of LA, just in one city, just crossing from Hollywood exactly. to kind of this area where we are right now. It's like 45 minutes. Not another city, not a different government school system, you know what I mean? Like different license plate stickers, none of that. Just a different side of town, the yep. same town. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, walk Amsterdam, I walk Amsterdam across, like, when I realized that, I'm like, damn, like, this, at least the city center, like, it's like, it's like Disneyland here. Like, you yeah. walk across the whole thing, it's over. Like, you just, I'm here. I'm back in the, real, I think yeah. if, if you drive from one end of the Netherlands to the other and you compare that to, like, you might spend as much time as driving from one end of LA to Of the course. Other. Yeah. 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 But actually, traffic is probably worse here. So Absolutely. It a little Absolutely. And it's a crazy situation. So the, the car culture in LA, lends itself to that yeah. and that's also that also kind of is why how the la gang politics and a lot of other things are set up the way they are because people aren't forced to interact with each other mm. only forced to interact with each other when they bump into each other or when the boundaries line up against each other yeah but on the day-to-day -day, like you don't walk you don't get on the train to get like i go to new york i get on the subway and it's a lawyer and a janitor and an architect and a musician and everyone just i'm not i'm not gonna drive my you know like of course, there are people that drive. The streets are packed there. But yeah. for, the, for the amount of people there, most people realize it's not even practical. Let me just mm -hmm. jump on this. Yeah. And, you know, everyone... It's parking's a nightmare. It's just because of, <laughs> in L.A., it's like a, a giant ocean with a bunch of islands. Like, every little town, every little part of L.A. is an island. And yeah. if you aren't in your boat, you could get caught by the sharks between the islands. You know what I mean? Like, you got to get where you're going. It's like, so everyone's just in their car because it's like a safe bubble cocoon that they can control. Mm -hmm. And public transportation and interaction like neighborhoods are really kind of separated here and like connected with bridges or something it's not like a, a unit like a community type, no. type of vibe and a lot of that is a geography how big it is here it's just a mm -hmm. la is a state it's a country Swallowing, yeah. mm -hmm. it's bigger than you know what I mean? it's a huge place to try to navigate geographically or politically on any mm -hmm. level yeah isn't la like the size of maine or something what was it the rhode island oh, yeah. rhode island yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah for sure absolutely yeah yeah yeah. That's just L.A., man. Like, that's just L.A. Like, damn. Like, this is huge. <laughs> it's just yeah. a huge city. Millions. What, a ten, some 10 million people here or something yeah. crazy like that? Yeah, it might be more, actually. Yeah. 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 If you count the surroundings. Yeah. Of, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm still, like, that That you're in the driving in the headphone. That's yeah. That's, yeah. That's <laughs> what it is. Like. Um, so, outside of hip-hop, um, uh -huh. I know you listen to a lot of music yeah. uh, I don't think you've ever limited yourself to a particular genre no right? definitely not um, so like I think you mentioned in, in a older interview like Hendrix Coltrane Miles Davis Portishead yeah um, yep still how do you um, how do you think those sounds those artists influence like how is that reflected in your work is it reflected in your work or is it more like yeah 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 for sure I mean I think that when you when you really break into jazz I mean all hip-hop is is really a beat on the one and four four you know what mm -hmm. i mean like it's just a mathematical time count but we just mm -hmm. fixed on jazz has like a, you know they're just all over the place they, have a, yeah. they understand the mathematics at a higher level we just know one plus one equals two like two plus two is four minus one that's three quick maths that's the, our whole <laughs> thing is worst come the worst strangely is the one a track that's not four four on the one but no no but most uh, 99 percent of rap music you know maybe this trap thing is different i don't know how that thing works but 99 percent of rap music historically has just been something it's based on the one the break it's, yeah that's just the nature of what how everyone grooves. So, um, jazz, just in general, like I like I listen to jazz because you understand how to play with the mathematics of 
try to play with the mathematics in music. Mm-hmm. And you see the mathematics, how these numbers, like sacred geometry, like these circles become angles, mm-hmm. you know, if you, you know, line them up right. Um, so that's whether it's if I'm listening to something smooth and comfortable or even well recognized, like Kind of Blue by Miles Davis is a pretty well known jazz album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or if I'm listening to like uh, Ohm by John Coltrane, which is like him bugging the fuck out later. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, when yeah. he just um, or some Sun Ra, Astro Black or something where it's just whoa. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like um, to me, it's just playing with the mathematics. Okay, you go four, four on the one. Like I, here's basic addition and subtraction, but let me show you a peak of algebra or something at a higher level, you know, trigonometry or something like this is still the mathematics but but look what they're doing with it. It's like, Oh shit, I don't quite get it all this. I couldn't do that per se. Like, but I can understand what they're doing here in my limited space right here. I can apply some of the same philosophy. So jazz in general is definitely something I I, I vibe to on that level. Hendrix, um, he had like a very, his singing style was a very, almost like a scat flow style a lot of times. He didn't have a traditional voice. No. Um, he was a mixed dude like me, like coming from a mixed background, like being involved in a lot of crazy things, a lot of pressure from different people on a cultural side. So I was into his story, electric, reading his books, Electric Gypsy and a lot of these mm-hmm. different things like right, that. Right, yeah, yeah. Musically, I mean, it's just genius. It's just blues flipped out, mixed with soul and, you know, the essence of what is rock. And, and it really ties into the deeper, the deeper level of the blues continuum, like of slave music coming into contact with classic uh, Western instrumentation and jazz, blues and jazz, oh, yeah. and this whole this whole blues continuum basically being a line of things connected in branches, and people don't even always understand it or appreciate it that they're all connected on some level. They think, oh, this black, this white, this, this. It's like, no, we're always all. It's all connected. Like if you yeah. wanted, if you take the time to take a step back from your ego and everything else and look back, it's all connected in one, and we're just. So a lot of this wouldn't have happened if it wasn't connected. Like, you know what I mean? Like, whoever played the instrument, who made the instrument? And if, mm-hmm. who made the instrument to be played like that? And what were the factors that brought the person who played the instrument to play that instrument in that way? And, like, there's so many yeah. factors that, that come into it. So, to me, it's just all interesting. When I listen to a cat like Hendrix, I'm able to hear, like, he's a bugged out dude in a psychedelic time playing some intergalactic blues like he's a this is his his blues <laughs> and it just bugged out like at a hippie time so there's that a portis head to me like that's just beautiful music like mm-hmm. as a hip-hop dude yeah like um as a hip-hop guy as a as someone that likes that the, the wispiness I like Sade. I like that type of mm-hmm. wispy and that angelic kind of pained angelic voice like, I thought it was just a really cool way to bring things together. Like, especially the Dummy album. That was like, you know, like even though that's yeah. an old album, like, that's still one of my favorite albums of all time, period. The, the rubs, the scratch rubs that would just come in here just to remind you, like, yo, these people, they, you know, they're, they're hip hoppers too. Like, mm-hmm. they know what it is. There's some DJs, mm-hmm. some beats are being played, and which a vocalist in hip hop doesn't have to be a rapper. Mm-hmm. No. But that's the, the the what's being presented to the masses. Like if you're if you're in hip hop, then the the, the lead print, there were singers and the people do just instrumentalists, all kind of people doing crazy things well before, not well before, but at the same time, and maybe even well before people were rapping. Like that yeah. rapping is just one thing that people can do on the mic over a dope beat or in a hip hop. Hip hop was there for years already before of course, people actually of started. Of course, yeah. absolutely. Rap is, but you know, rap is easy because there's already an industry. A thriving industry that knows how to turn that into pop 
product. So mm. the record labels, the media industry is like, we don't know exactly what to do with b-boys. Graffiti is considered because vandalism. We can't do that. Beatboxers, we just can't have people spitting on micro, you know, whatever. They, they don't get it. They don't get it. Um, so then it comes out like DJs, eh, you know, that's more like in the club or they need to be in the back. So we don't even have to plug their turntable. Give them two laser discs. <laughs> they don't look good on camera. They don't even have to be plugged in. Just let them be yeah. shiny back there. But we need the lead singer. Like they're putting it through the old process. The lead singer is the rapper, mm. and, and and as a mute at record labels, they're always you know it, that their goal is to basically push whatever they can push. And usually the lead singer is that because they're the most charismatic or they have the the attention of the people. And so I think that there, there's a lot of that. There's definitely a lot of that. But it's, it's not, there's there's an opportunity for for other people to shine and do other things and get past the rules that the, the industry set after we create the rules like we create the rules and I think that's that's you know a, a big a big situation is that as hip hoppers as people that came into the scene in, in the era that I, I was introduced to the culture in it was still at a time when the the streets or the people dictated the rules and the industry would say okay once you send us the champion then we'll Mm. package it up and send it out but you tell us what's real you tell us what's live we don't know hey we're not going to step on your toes we don't once they got a few people in there thought that they knew better or and or they decided they didn't care about anything other than moving product Mm -hmm. because it became just a numbers game then they decided to start telling the people what was real and the people had to think and the people Mm -hmm. the cult the community itself Hey, we're big business, and we're telling you that this is the the tr- you know the the truth of what it really is. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it, it's it's kind of one of those type of things. So, um, we had to even as dilated just get past the whole uh, get, getting caught up in that what's real and what's not real and what's you know we just have to you know we have an understanding. And I don't feel like we ever have to defend it. We don't have to explain it to anybody like we were stamped and certified by the people that we looked up to. Mm-hmm. So that's that's graduation in our from our standpoint. Like, you know, we graduate. We got our degree from Gangstar. We got our degree mm-hmm. from Boogie Down Productions. We got our degree from Public Enemy. We got our degrees from these people who said, yeah, come on tour with us. Yeah. We want you to come open for us because that's you guys do it right. Like, yeah. yeah, for real. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's that's a real situation. People that saw. So, you know, for to have to be in those type of situations. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's important to us. And uh, we just, you know, that's how we consider doing it right. But there's, that's just how we consider doing it right. That's, there are different ways people do it, but we did it that way. And that's the way we've been able to maintain our base. We've been able to maintain our stability and be able to be able to, again, seamlessly go like we're, we're a group right now. All right, we're a crew right now. Or we're a family. All right, we're a group. Let's make some music. Let's go to our, all right, let's, Ev's put out a soul. Babs put out Duck Season 7 or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I'll go back in the studio and make another record or whatever. If I decide that I feel like I have something in particular to say or whatever, like, and then that'll be what the move is. And then my brothers, Ev and Babs, will be on the record producing or doing whatever and we'll make it work. And that's that's how we kind of organize our family. Yeah. There's no need to be jealous. There's no need to be bitter with each other. There's no need. You know, if this is somebody that you recognize as great, then you want them to achieve ultimate greatness if we're family then someone in my family is great that makes the family greater you're rooting for you yeah rooting absolutely for each other. totally yeah not even just rooting but actively contributing and actively supporting contributing to and supporting the success yeah. of somebody else i don't get a executive producer credit on you know necessarily on anything or 
They don't get executive. You know, we sit down and we vibe. Like, yo, what do you think about this? Oh, man, I would. Oh, oh word? Okay, cool. It's like, okay, I'm going to need 12% of your publishing for that conversation <laughs> yeah. now. Like, we don't, that's not how. The, yeah. That's not the most. When we need to get into that conversation, it's like, yo, we need to do a song about the. You know, we, we can we can carve that particular deal out when the time is right. But otherwise, we just support and, and push on. And that allows for us to be strong and flexible. You know, you don't want to just be strong and rigid. You, you know, that, something stronger comes and just breaks you, and you, that's it. But if you're strong and at the same time you're flexible, you have some some bends, and when the situations come, you go with it a little bit, and then when they pass, you you're still standing. And it's yeah. What it is, yeah. How do you feel? Uh, you mentioned Gangstar for it, for instance. How do you feel like recently, last couple of years, we've right. been losing a lot of people in hip hop, right. like Guru a couple of years back, absolutely. Uh, Craig Mack just this week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. Five Dog, uh, yeah. Prodigy, Sean Price, you, yeah. How Sean Price, yeah. definitely. Um, how do you? How do you uh, how do you think that affects hip hop? How how does it affect you personally? I mean, that you we're, know, we're reaching this age where we, like we lost people to like right. violence before, but now we're just losing. Well, I mean, it says a couple of things. I mean, pretty much, I, I don't I don't have the whole list that you just mentioned still in my brain, but pretty much everyone that you mentioned there were friends of mine. Like, yeah. I mean, so on some level, friends personally, of mine are mentors or you know something like this. Um, first of all. We're adults, despite so many people in hip hop and in other forms of entertainment with this Peter Pan syndrome of trying to pretend like they're kids. You know what I mean? Like we're adults. Like cats are forty plus years old. Cats like hip hop. They're cats with game. grandkids in there. You know, they just dye their beard and dress a certain way. But mm -hmm. you know what I mean? They're grandfathers. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. but they're tr they understand that this is a youth oriented industry and that there's not a place for the elders. There's not an industry for the elder spoke statesmen yet. You know what I mean? It hasn't grown there, but it's getting older and older and older and older. So there is that shift that a lot of these people are getting to an age where they don't have the built-in resiliency. The bodies don't just re rebound from a, a, you know, part of doing it, you know, going hard all the time like that. Mm -hmm. Then you also tie in the fact that, you know, not just in hip hop, but in, in a, lot of play, a lot of cases, people don't really start thinking about their health until there's a problem about it. They're not doing preventative. They're not raised to eat right and to exercise and to drink water. Like most, you know, more often than not, maybe they're, it's, it's suggested to them, you know, it's, they recognize it's the right thing to do, but it's not part of their, you know, they're eating. They, yeah, they, I ate McDonald's seven times yesterday. You know, when I was in high school, I would eat it three times, you know, whatever. Like, it, it, when they get 40 years old and they start having pains, they go to the doctor and it's like, yo, your blood pressure is messed up, your cholesterol is whack. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, let's, so there is that too. There's a lot of the fact that a lot of these cats weren't taking care of themselves early on. Um, there are people that have pre-existing conditions mm -hmm. that didn't, that just didn't get diagnosed or didn't get cared about. They're touring heavy, not sleeping right, not eating right, maybe partying. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And all these things come to a head at a certain point if you're not taking care of yourself. And then sometimes it's just circumstantial. Again, sometimes people are sick. Life just kicks in. Mm -hmm. You know. People get injured, people get killed, people get hurt, people get sick. On you know, so there are a lot of factors. It 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 definitely brings it home. You know, as an adult, my as a, as a, as someone that's been doing this a long time, like a lot of these people being my friends, people being in my circle, means that they're pretty much in the same. Even if some of them are older than me, it's not by like a generation. You know what I mean? Like we're in the same, we're of the same generation in a lot of these cases. So yeah, I mean, it, it makes you, me personally, it makes me much more conscious about how I spend my time and how I take, what I, how I take care of myself, mm -hmm. the amount of stress I deal with, 
Um, the fact that I can't just make a decision to change, but that I have to make a decision to change and also make a decision to go back in and take stock of what I've done to myself mm -hmm. and try to repair things yeah. and be proactive on certain things. And maybe that means being uncomfortable in certain places to have a longer future or whatever the case is. But, you know, I, I, you know, I think it, 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 it brings people uh, a heavy dose of, of the reality that doesn't matter how talented somebody is or whatever, they could be gone in an instant. Still human. Yeah, even if they love their family too, even if they have kids too, they they're still human. They still ultimately we're you know we're just you know with carbon and energy or whatever. You know what I mean? At a certain point, when the energy's gone, it's just carbon at that point. You know what I mean? We're just you know that's it at that point. So I mean, without getting into a spiritual side of things, of course, but just speaking like you know like from that just, side of things, yeah, just on the as, on, secular yeah. worldly. Level, yeah. So um, so with that said, like. It makes you definitely take stock of how you're living, what you're doing. It makes you reflect on your own life and, you know, um, the things that you put yourself through that may or may not have been the right thing to do and how to make adjustments for the future. It can't just be, okay, let me not go hard anymore. It's like, nah, like if you've gone hard, then it's time to, it's time to repair. It's time to heal. Yeah. And that's a conscious decision. That's not just circumstantial. You don't just stop. You don't just stop, you know, like, you know, when someone stops shooting the bullets at you and the bullets stop entering your body, that's not the end of it. Like, that means the actual attack is not happening anymore. But now the damage is done. You have to yeah. start, you have to repair all that. Like, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you know, so I feel like that's part of it, too, whether it's physically or spiritually or what you've stressed yourself out or you just, you know, just processing things in a way that's really taxing on you. And it. it that's that in, that in itself will raise your blood pressure up to give you a heart attack or a stroke or whatever mm -hmm. the case is. So uh, yeah. yeah, so when you like when you guys schedule tours, is that something you actively keep in mind? No, I'm usually. I mean, when we were scheduling the tours, I was usually the person that was scheduling the tours. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I would book the tour um, and perform the tour also and advance the tour and everything. So for me, the goal was to understand. And at the same time, up until you know, I, I ended up right when I was in school. I was also doing all that and taking six classes, right? Like in a university at the same time. At the same time, I'd yeah. be on airplanes with half of school bus and back of the air, like whatever. Like just getting this thing done. So I guess I guess when, when I'm looking at um, what's uh, uh, all that that people are confronted with on the day to day, and you realize how stressful life is as an just as a you know as someone just trying to make it through life anyway like just you don't have to be have any illnesses you don't have to be married with kids you don't have to be in debt or whatever the case is you just just navigating life and what you're presenting with in general is already crazy and then as you get older and as you get to a point where you circumstances are limiting your options like you're no longer able to went from like a, the world is my oyster to like I got three things I could do now to man I hope this thing works mm -hmm. you know what I mean like in a lot of these people's cases like there's no plan B like things that were supposed to happen didn't they had a lot of money sitting aside but then the taxes took it they were sitting on a lot of bread then they got in a fight at a club at a strip club and spent a million and a half on lawyer fees and not go to prison like whatever the, the the thing is like their life didn't drop them off where they thought they were going and mm -hmm. That in itself is enough to kill people. Like just that thought of that panic, the stress yeah. or whatever, that'll kill people. So stress is probably the most, <laughs> the most absolutely. Yo, that's the worst thing. That's yeah. it right there, man. So you know, a lot of the stuff is is people really just like 
just trying to deal with regular life. But there are a lot of pre, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, man, because, you know, you care about these people and they and, and you want to see people live forever. You want to see people you care about not suffer and you want to see them live forever and be healthy. And, you know, uh, you deal with the hard facts of life as you get older, you deal with the, the harsh realities of life. Like, yeah. this is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, everybody goes on some level and, you know, everyone, you know, just the nature of what it is and as you get older you're gonna meet more and more people that that are gonna be I mean, the people that you know that's what i mean they can't be around forever so they gotta go you know people you grew up with people that are your age are going for different reasons so you know but then I, what i did though was i looked at it i'm like yo you know a lot of people i know are passing i try, try to take take stock of the real amount of people that i know yeah and the number of people that are my age that have really died of the people that I know and it's a relatively small number all things considered yeah mm-hmm. you know all things considered but in hip hop it's a pretty concentrated situation because I think a lot of it has to do with the nature of what the entertainment the business lifestyle. is the yeah, lifestyle true, true. the pressure the stress and everything else that goes into the stress of everyday life compounded by those things yeah I think sort of going off on that though like this sort of one and this might not be just, you know, in hip hop, just any sort of like creative processes that like when you have guys like these who who pass that are like so influential like, in a way, they still continue to go on through their music, through their art. So true. Um, like with my a lot of my research is on Jay Dilla. Dilla. Uh, yeah, yeah. And like so a good chunk of that is sort of like seeing how he was kind of immortalized in a way like right. through his, yeah. his music through whether it's donuts or just any of his other beats or or whatever or what have you but like that's that's always like something that it, it's very profound i don't know how to like describe it like in a way yeah right but yeah well people um especially when they know there's no more mm-hmm. they have to go back and consciously appreciate something that they may right. have not necessarily taken for granted but just appreciated it on a more cursory level the first time they get. And when you start speaking to things and people start attaching their own experiences to it, you start to recognize different value in something that you already put a value on originally. So in the case of Dilla, um, in the case of Dilla, um, I saw a lot of that too. Like, um, And, you know, on one hand, you're like, man, I wish you guys would have been around to show him this much love when he was alive. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like, yo, it's dope that his music lives on. It's dope that there's generations and generations of people that would have never been able, they weren't even maybe alive, you know, that that won't have been alive when he was even alive at the same time, Mm -hmm. that he'll be their favorite person. And that also the dope thing about Dilla, from my opinion, is that unlike a lot of producers, or music artists themselves and he's a, obviously he was he was a more than just a producer but yeah. um Jay Dilla's production is respected as a complete thought mm-hmm. whereas a lot of people would have looked at these just as instrumental beat tapes mm-hmm. these are looked at as like musician grooves in the same way you don't you don't listen to a jazz record that you know a good portion maybe most jazz records don't have vocals on them they're mm-hmm. like instrumental. You're not like oh this would be good for, yeah. for somebody oh, you know, to hop on yeah but if somebody does do a version like okay they added vocals to this but it's not like you're listening to the jazz version thinking like man if they who are we gonna put man should we get a you know so and so on this to do so it's like no it's a complete thought unto itself and I think that mm-hmm. 
I like to see Dilla's beats. I like to see producers that create at that level be respected oh, yeah. in that oh, yeah. manner, especially. But for Dilla, you know, with his, you know, with him having, him being a father, you know, shout out to my Dukes, um, you know, you know, her being such a champion of his and the the, the scene supporting her as you know, so it's a beautiful thing that has happened in like a like a little like a cottage industry of Dilla, like a boutique industry unto itself. And at the same time, the celebration of what he's done in connection with other artists as producer. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's the, right before he passed away, we were supposed to do the record with Dilla. Like I remember going to Fat Beast to go pick up the record, the the the, the beat tape from J Rock, and us being on a road trip. Like, yo, which one? Are we gonna use that one? Oh, perfect. We picked the one that we wanted. Mm-hmm. Came back, was like, yo, we're gonna do this one. And he's like, oh, I just gave that one. I forget the dude's name. It was like some singer dude, like a singer cat that he had just produced. Like. I know. Uh, dude's name SpaceX. Mm, yeah, think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was we, whatever it was. We whatever the record is that he produced for. for I think it was SpaceX. I could be wrong on that, but um, we're like, yo. And then I ended up having to go back to pick up another beat CD. Mm-hmm. I'm like, let me pick up some more beats. J J Rock is like, come to Fat Beats to pick up some more beats. And we took it. We were taking it with us to Europe. And while we were in Europe, we got the call. Oh. And so we ended up having to kind of break the news on the radio. We were on the radio in Europe, mm-hmm. in Lon- and uh, we were in London. We were on the radio in London at the time, and actually, yeah, it was in London. It was London. We were in London, yeah. We were in London, mm-hmm. and we ended up having a call. Like, I think Benny B might have called us, or somebody called us, and we had to call around and like, you know, J Rock. Yeah, it's, it's a very sad situation, but yeah, man, to see how it happened and and the impact and the the. The, the strength, the energy that still exists and that surrounds it. I think it's a beautiful thing to see him be respected and not feel like, like yo, this is a dope producer, man. He should, we wish he would have been able to work with more rappers. Like, that's not the tag associated with Dilla. Yeah, that's not it's at not all. And that's, that, right to now. me, is a beautiful, no. the beautiful side of Dilla is that he's allowed to exist as a complete thought, as, a, as someone that made grooves. And if the right people came and added the vocal instrument to it and that enhanced the track, then great. And if not, then he did what he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny. I don't think that there, we've done an episode where we haven't talked to where me specifically where I haven't mentioned Dilla at least one. <laughs> that should be a whole yeah. edited oh, episode yeah, yeah. of the Dilla episode, like little clips of all the edited yeah. Dilla episodes. <laughs> we, we, we probably have. <laughs> well, I'm currently like writing a master's thesis, uh, literally like a master's thesis on Jay Dilla's, on, Dilla. uh, on donuts, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny because I think both of us are really um, you're studying Dilla for mm. your for your thesis. For my uh, dissertation, I'm studying Tupac. Oh, crazy! So we're both sort of working on uh, these figures in hip-hop that have sort of been immortalized and have sort of become larger than life. We're already huge while they were still here, but have sort of become larger than life um, after they passed. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, Man, you know, it's interesting. You said Tupac. I would love to link you with uh, Akil Mm -hmm. from Jurassic 5. Wow, yeah. Because this is why. Let me tell you why. Aside from the fact that he's a great dude, my brother right there and and, and he's he, he brings a, a very bright perspective on like he, he has a very strong but you know sharp, sharp perspective on things um there's an entire conspiracy theory on youtube right now just type in akil tupac there's an entire videos dedicated to a conspiracy that akil from jurassic 5 is actually tupac <laughs> 
I'm not kidding. I'm not. I'm not kidding you. Hold on a second. Hold on. I'm just gonna. You don't have to look at. It. You don't have to read it right now. But as we're talking, I'm just gonna bring this up. I'm just gonna type in Akil. He is too like that. No, that Akil is. Tupac is not dead. Tupac, Tupac is Akil from Jurassic Five. Hey, okay. Yo, sure. is it the yo? I thought it was a joke, and Akil's like, yo, this been going on. I thought he was hanging out with like Jim Morrison and Cuba. Yo, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Akil Tupac, right here, right? Okay, hold up a second. Oh man. Okay, here it is. Akil the MC debunks the theory of being Tupac. <laughs> Shock. Tupac Shakur is still alive. Akil the MC is Tupac. <laughs> yo, I'm serious. Tupac. Yo, spark. My Tape? 100%, 100% proof that I killed the MC is too hey, If the internet says it. 100%, yo. 100%. Yo. Like they did a DNA test and everything. Yo, it's the, but when you said to, I was like, yo, you gotta, you gotta I'm, you're here for me and I'll put you in touch with him some kind of way. You gotta talk to him or something for your dis some kind of way, but yeah, is, yeah. But yo, was, um, he, was he the hologram? Was yeah, he I don't know, that's what I'm saying. Like, damn, I didn't even know. Saying, I don't know. Like, no, that cost like half a million dollars. No, man, they just flew in. <laughs> no, yeah, they're like, we call him Ak for Akio. They're like, Ak, Ak. They're like, oh, oh. you're so deep, yo. You're so deep, man. So, I was wow. like, I went into a rabbit hole once. Like, this can't be real. I thought it was like a, like a spoof thing. And I, hmm. I was like, yo, yo. There's like a YouTube, like, yeah, it's crazy. Yo, it's man. bugged out. It's bugged. <laughs> and then Charles, who's one of them is supposed to be one of the other outlaws. Is supposed to, so you can like look at the pic. Like, are you? You can't see. Like, you can't look and see that it's not too much. It's like yeah, it's close shot, enough. Man. Close <laughs> enough, Lance. Yeah, so obviously, obviously close enough. Like, but what about? Eh. He's got a nose ring too. <laughs> it's like, but they were both making music at the same time. Yeah. They were there. You know what I'm saying? Like taking active photos of. At the same time, like, yo, we, like, it's just, yo, man. Oh, so, man. yeah, like, but anyway, um, you know, people are gonna, people are gonna do what they do, man. Like, and, you know, and people are gonna feel how they feel. And when they, when people are really connected with something like that, like a Dilla or like a Tupac, like, you know, they're gonna, they want it to be true. They want whatever they believe about it that gives yeah. them comfort to be true. Yeah. You know, especially if there's some sort of gray area or maybe some sort of possibility that, you know, some some other little little inkling of possibility. They want what gives them comfort to be the narrative, the true story, so that it's comfortable. You know, like and that's what it is. So, but I would say in the case of Dilla, especially like the way that he's been celebrated, hasn't been one of like controversy. I haven't. I mean, I'm sure if I looked up Dilla on YouTube, Dilla is Dilla. some yeah, Dilla's alive. Like I'm sure they would be like yeah, he's in Dearborn, Michigan. With the, you know, <laughs> I'm sure it's some whole other shit that I could find out there like on that, but. In reality, man, like he's celebrated for being the incredible artist and force and innovator that he is, and someone that made other people better as well. Um, so, to me, that's a that's a great thing to celebrate of somebody, and the fact that he's celebrated like that. Tupac, you know, it's a different situation. There's a lot more in the way of conspiracy. Uh, there's entire videos that hold more drama. Yeah, there's an entire there's industry there's based on this sort of show on what is it HBO or Showtime. Uh, who that's killed like, Biggie and Tupac or something? Yeah, like that's oh, like, yeah, uh, yeah. It's just coming Absolutely, out, yeah, yeah. There's another one coming. Yeah, for sure. It's 21 years after. Absolutely, well, yeah, absolutely. Still. And that, you know, unless some, unless somebody pops up someplace somewhere sometime, like they're, they're that's, you're gonna see another one of those every year because it's mm -hmm. big money. Like every year we could do true. one of those and it'll, it'll still sell. Like you know, some, some network or another will buy it. Or if not, then run the old one. We still have the old one. Just run the old one. Nothing's changed. Mm -hmm. You know, again, you know, I don't. You know, somebody knows what's real. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe we all know what's real. Maybe we none of us know what's popping except that one person. Like, who knows? You know what I mean? But you know, it's a lot of it's it, the the fact is that if you know, 
if it's about the art, it's about the message, then those things are real. The, the art is real, the message is real, and yeah. what you find in that is real. That is real, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's what's to be celebrated or studied and, and, tra- and exp- explored and whatever the case might be, like, that's what that, that's there for because it, it does exist and it can be measured and it can be debated and it can be tested or whatever the exactly. case is. And, yeah. yeah. Talking about fake news, um, you uh, mentioned this. Um, I guess especially in the Bush era, you guys did a lot of, there was political commentary in your music as well. Um, And there hasn't been a dilated people's record in the Trump era yet. Right, right, right. What if, uh, let's say you're work. I don't know uh, if you're working, if you guys are working on a project right now, but um, how would you want to respond to what's happening right now in terms of politics, in terms of the rising tensions in society um, between different groups and I mean you have to when people understand that what's happening now is an extension of ultimately big businesses ultimately a sense of even business industry is an extension of control Mm -hmm. Um, I tell people that you know they're gonna have to I mean from my perspective you you recognize what what's presented in front of you and you deal with it you know um, if it where you see an opportunity to get a foothold in and make change, then you make your change and you affect change and, and impact the situation in the way that you can. Um, I think that there's an opportunity for a great deal of dialogue about how people really feel if they're forced to say how they really feel if they're mm-hmm. you know I, I don't really care like no you do I don't really I don't give a to each his own like you have it yeah no now you have to choose okay well I don't like it you know what I'm saying like there's a people and it was fine like there was no reason that people should have to make come down on one side of an issue that they're pretty much like you know whatever about you know what I mean like yeah but I think that what's happened in this era is that people are being forced by access to communication social mm-hmm. media by the temperature and the tone and the actual statements that are being made from the powers that be and like this this people are either feeling compelled or feeling conform feeling forced or feeling some kind of way led to kind of drawing specific lines on things that were perforated or were yeah. more flexible on before because I don't I never even had to think of it. it's not my life like I don't care what you do with your situation that's the point of this I each you know to each his own to each your own so um I would just I would just caution people about against panicking you know what I mean like I mean that's not gonna that's never gonna solve anything panic is never gonna solve anything um, I would caution people against being apathetic and thinking like you know it's bigger than me to be involved um I would caution people against being uh, gullible and not realizing that ultimately there are very powerful hands at play in all aspects of life. It's just a name. doesn't have to be one or shadowy organization from Bavaria from the 1770s or mm-hmm. these people that happen to be excellent in geometry or mm-hmm. any number of other people yeah. that <laughs> happen to be involved in what's now medicine around the world or any of these other organizations that have, you know, we could get into it as a separate conversation, but it's a. Uh, I think people just need to recognize that when there's 
when there are people at the, in power that want to keep power and want to increase power, yeah. then asking them to stop being hungry for power is not going to, that's not the answer that's to the situation. Change their minds. Asking them to give you power is not going to change the situation. You have to recognize the power that you have to organize the rally to complain. Recognize the power that you have to organize the rally to protest or to recognize the power that you have to organize a boycott or a this or a that or any of these things. It all comes with a certain amount of power and organization that instead of being reactionary could be constructive and proactive yeah. if looked at from a different perspective. So rather than jump on board in the Trump era and complain about the obvious ridiculousness of the theater of politics that we exist in, um, that we're somewhere between uh, a reality show and the movie Idiocracy. Um, rather than get into that because it should, it's obvious to anyone that yeah. has any common sense that this is a crazy situation. To me, it's like, okay, if I have your ear, just like if I have your ear and I can say protest, yeah. I can say organize to build. If I can say boycott, I can say organize to focus resources. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I feel like if I'm in a position to have that type of reach, then it's much more important to be productive and to take my and to present solutions or present opportunities than to speak yeah. on the obvious ridiculousness and evil or whatever the situation is that we're all dealing with, that we all recognize or most people would recognize in, in any way. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's how I would look at it. Um, that doesn't take anything away. It doesn't, uh, you know, uh, say don't pay attention or don't tune in or don't be a part of it. It's just to say, don't take that as the truth of the story and move according the news. I've said before, and the news is a TV show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it has writers, it has producers, it has makeup, lighting, there's cameramen, key grips. There's a table with donuts and yeah. shit over there in the corner, like it's any other movie. Too. Yeah, it's gotta get, yeah. yeah. It, gotta get, it, it has to get ratings because every so often they'll say, "And hey, we'll be back," and then they run a commercial for soap or yeah. for out dog food yeah. or mm -hmm. whatever it is. It's it's a TV show. Yeah, that's it. They they don't they're not experts. They read what's on the teleprompter, a la Anchorman. From the entire Channel 4 News team, I'm Veronica Corningstone. And I'm Ron Burgundy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Fuck you, San Diego. Whatever. Like, that's, that's news. You know what I mean? That's not journalism, but that's news television. And that's a different situation than journalism, which yeah. is a different... So, looking at it from that standpoint, it's like, look, man, just recognize that the news is a TV show. Recognize that what's being pumped out there is if it's on Fox, it's because they know that their base wants to hear this and it's going to keep them tuned in yep. for yep. these commercials. And if it's on this show, then these CNN is because these people are tuned in for these. And if it's for this, it's for this. It's, for, it's always based in something else. And that's why people can look at the same story and supposedly with journalistic integrity and come away with two totally different things. Yep. Even when faced with the reality that they're wrong, mm -hmm. they're like, it's just, they're just, it's just spin. Like, let's spin this, keep spinning this to make it work for our interests or for our sponsors or for our base or for our re but it's always a reason that the truth must be manipulated in that in that standpoint and also for the positive you know i come i subscribe to the the philosophy things generally aren't as good or as bad as they seem mm -hmm. and having that gives me a good balance to understand like i don't get caught up in the fluff of things i don't get caught up in the panic of things like what is it and how other people are reacting to it and the panic and the 
or the bliss and euphoria or whatever around it is how other people are processing it. I don't have to process it the way that they're processing it in order for me to let me process it my way and I'll figure out what it is. And that's how I've looked at things. And um, I mean, you, you grew up on acts like Public Enemy. Right. Uh, rap is or hip hop is Black America CNN. Uh, so that that famous Chuck D quote, right? Um, right? Do you think hip hop's doing enough of that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't think mainstream media is doing enough at covering it. Right. But I think hip hop is doing enough at making it. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. That's like, a good song. Yeah, sure. like you, mess, you mentioned a, or yeah, we mentioned Joey Badass earlier. Like his most recent album. Like yeah, it's totally. It's very absolutely very political. Absolutely, yeah. and and some kind of way he's still gonna be. I was just I was just with Alchemist. What was it, November. I was just in Amsterdam with with Alchemist. We I went over there to host the BC One mm. B Boy Battle. I host a lot of B Boy Battle nice. stuff. And um, Joey happened. At, he was at Paradiso. One of, like one of the off nights or something. Yeah, yeah. So we went to just hung out with him and um, IDK and a couple other cats that were just backstage. We just all went just, just the lounge and it was a packed, sold out venue. Yeah. Paradiso was sold out long. And I'm sure after this record, it's still going to be packed and sold out. And, you know, people are going to like what they like. Like, you know, when, when it presented properly. Look, if it's cooked right, people want nutrients. You know what I mean? Like, if, if you can put, if it can be nutritious and delicious. People aren't going to be like, no, it tastes the same, but I like the one without the vitamins in it. Yeah, like, they yeah, just yeah. don't want... But choosing between what they want and nutrients is the difference. But if you can give them what they want and make it nutritious, and part of, yeah. then that's the, the goal. That's the whole thing. That's the goal. Yeah, we yeah. were at uh, the MERS concert last night. Yeah. And I feel like MERS does a good job of doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. Merge, and that's, that's my brother. MERS and I come from the same neighborhood. So we grew up in Miss City together. We mm. went to Santa Monica College together. You know what I mean? Like, we... MERS a good dude that way. You know, living the whole living legends are like... It's family to me, so like that's they, we come from the same area. Um, but Mercer's a great example of that, like um, socio political messaging, community messaging, which is different. And that's sometimes in socio political can be very high level, and but it doesn't deal with the day to day community stuff. To fun hip hop issues and whatever else is, he's a yeah, it's a good, it's a good, and that's a complete voice. Someone that's like I'm not afraid to speak my mind on things and issues or whatever. He has songs that are. Videos that have caused him problems, controversial issues that people want to, you know, you know, call him out on and, you know, do all the kind of disparage his character, whatever the case might be. Yeah. He's a good dude. He's being he's making honest music. He makes a record about what he wants to make a record about. He says what he feels that he wants to say. He puts it out there and just does it at a, at a high level. And that's as an artist, that's integrity. Anything else is, you, you know, like. There's no problem with commercial art, but no matter how good it is, if you're doing art that so, like someone says, make me this song you're a commercial artist at that point you're not making you're not creating you're not craft it's not a craftsmanship issue anymore and you're finding the best home for what you did yeah you're a, you're a production artist you're someone else is telling you like i want a song that's like this and you're doing it to get the check like you know what I mean? call it what it is definitely yeah. um so what i instead in the public perception uh you mentioned like you grew up around like in the same neighborhood as Morris. Um, right. and sort of your, I guess in a sort of, sort of similar lane of, of music, sort of, yeah. uh, this high quality underground yeah, sort of with a that. mainstream appeal, but yeah. you know what I mean? But still that underground uh, vibe. I yeah, feel like that's, fair, the, that's a fair assessment. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel like in the public perception, there is this huge, um, separation between, uh, let's say the underground scene and the mainstream scene, right. but but at the same time, uh, you guys were in the uh, the dog pound video, like yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. hanging out with uh, like close to exhibit guys like that. Right. How is sort of how is sort of the scene, the overall hip hop scene, uh, music scene in in LA? 
how connected is it or how it's very connected it's more connection you think like you know to be honest like you know um what people will consider polar ends of the spectrum of la right would be let's say freestyle fellowship way on one side and dog pound death row on the other death side row on the other side yeah. all right right so you would think that if you had to think of like one is like crazy jazz ba- based on crenshaw lamert park before that was a good life down the street like jefferson whatever like that's like very one side and then dog pound or or, or death row was very gang active gang banging what people don't know is that in the 213 days mm-hmm. snoop or all them dudes would be at the at the good life, mm-hmm. freestyling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had to. It was a skills thing. It wasn't about a st- style. Came like uh, brand style, like your marketing position, how you were marketed to the people. Yeah, was to, as artists, we respect each other. Like we know, like if you got chops, let's flex, let's do it. Like yeah. you know, if you play, if we play horn and you came in khakis and chucks, but you had your horn and I had dreads and a, you know uh, whatever and mm-hmm. sandals or whatever the case is, and I'm playing my horn like. We sit there, okay, you dress different than I dress, so you know, whatever, you might, when you leave here, you might go get in a shootout, and I might go plant some, whatever, <laughs> peppers or something, I don't know, but, you know what I'm saying, like, I'm not sure what's supposed to happen, but right now, like, right now, like, let's that, see what you got. Okay, okay. The, the death row. Yeah. But, that's, but they really yeah. did, the, the, they really were, like, you can find old Good Life tapes of Snoop and cats like that at the Good Life Rhyming. Where can we find those tapes? Look online. Google. Just Google like two one three or Snoop Dogg Good Life or two and you'll find you'll find that that's crazy. They were connected. A lot of those dudes from the from the Good Life era area and Mm -hmm. era, which is now Project Blow. Like the whole Project Blow. Project but Blow. At the yeah, time, yeah. it was it started as Good Life and it kind of blew oh, off that, and kind of spun off into Project Blow. Thing. Yeah, huh. Good Life was an actual health food restaurant. Mm-hmm. So the Good Life was like a place that you went to, like the mm-hmm. Good Life Cafe. Right. And you know it was like a small place and like a strip mall type thing. And then once it got bigger than that, then they then they moved it. They, they ended up closing the Good Life down, and the Good Life movement ended up moving in over here to Lamar Park, not not too far from here. And uh, Ben Caldwell, like the whole, like the whole Lamar Park situation, kind of embraced, and they kind of brought that scene to Lamar Park wow. as Project Blow. Like that's my understanding of it. But yeah, early, it's the same basic people still based in. It would be like the heavyweights, the freestyle network. fellowship, yeah. and those, the, those that family of, of people, Medusa and all them. Um, but uh, the the way that LA is set up geographically and stylistically and politically mm-hmm. outside it's kind of like it's kind of like school like everyone ends up at the same school like even mm-hmm. if gangsters get dropped and burned jocks come in from here people from the neighborhood go there but also people are getting busted in from this hood and that hood and there's you know that's kind of like how the the scene was at that time like people would just they kind of, we find a place okay we're all here right now and here we all have our own style we all spit yeah. and then Outside of this one, two out, this two hours that we spent here, our lives are completely, totally different. We, we, we were totally different circles, but, but we converge here one moment, on yeah. Thursday at eight or yeah. something, and all of a sudden it's like it was all one scene. Grab the mic, let's see what you got. That's and crazy. when you go there, that's yeah. you saw a lot of that there. I, also in the same neighborhood, it was like Tumex, um, Cholo Lancinco, the OMD guys. All we all it's all mid city. Yeah. We all grew up in the same neighborhood. Um, uh, Khalil, you know mm-hmm. DJ Khalil. Yeah. Um, 
barbershopping, like Phil the Ag, Cron Don, all of, we all grew up in like the same, came up in the same neighborhood. Like it was all, a lot of us all grew up in the same neighborhood. Wow. Yeah. Cool. That's, and is that, are you guys all still in touch? Yeah, yeah you know, like, one way or another? I mean, I talked to, um, uh, like Merce's, that, like, when I see him, we're, we're good. Like we don't like hang out, we don't like hang out on the daily. That's my, that's family though. Like, yeah. Cinco, same thing. Solo and Cinco from OMD, that's family. I see him as love. We see each other as all love. Um, I see two Mex more, like I talked to two Mex more because we we ended up having more of a direct personal relationship where we'd hang out more day to day. Yeah. Um, and like all of the barbershop dudes and like Clondon and S, you know, Strong Arm Steady, like that whole movement, they were actually, they're actually like, most of them are like a year or two younger than me. They're my, my brother's age, my younger mm, brother's age. Yeah. So they went to school with my brother. So to them, they were like, now we're all adults, but growing up, they're all like my little brothers. Mm. Is that still like, kind of like that? Yeah, this is like, it was like, bro, like, yeah, so it's all like, shout out to my man Crondon, you know, he's doing big things, making making TV shows. He's probably gonna be a, um, get a star on the Walk of Fame in the next three to five years, you know what I mean? I, yeah. I predict that. <laughs> um, no, but um, that's, that's like, I can't call them little bro because that's like sunning somebody, but they call me big bro out of respect. We're all adults at this point, you know what I mean? But growing up, that's how we how we did. They were my, my, my little brother's circle of friends yeah. ended up being like barbershop and strong arm steady and like this whole group movement of people, living legends like Tommy and all those dudes, they grew up with my brother. They're like a year or two, young, two years younger than me. So... Mm. Okay. They're like little bro to me, but not as adults now. They're not like my little brothers. They're more like my just my brother. It's family. We're all family, but in the in the in the system of how we grew up, like I was older than them at the time they started. I already had like a certain amount of, but you know, even like the living legends dudes, they're younger than me. And them, but they were doing. They got more. They had their passport stamps before I did. <laughs> yeah. I always tell them. I was like, man, yeah, we did this, we did that. But I remember you guys were already touring internationally before Dialed it was. I think maybe we had gone to Canada, but you guys were already in Korea and. Touring Europe and Europe, doing this and doing like, yeah, so yeah. I mean, it's all the, it's all love, man. We we support each other and the family vibe of it is still there. But um, we're all adults now, so you know that's just more of like a what's up, OG? Like you know what I mean? Like we just a, a nod to the fact that you know at the time you know when, when you're younger, two years makes a big difference. Yeah, that's yeah, two yeah. grades. Like you know when you're in high school, like damn, you're a tenth grader. Like I'm a twelfth grader. Like damn, yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Like that might make a big deal. Like yeah, you know when you're forty, like you're forty two. I'm forty. It's like word. Okay, anyway, like, <laughs> like you're thirty eight. I'm thirty six. Okay, I don't know. What to, okay, what does, what does that mean? Like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so <laughs> yeah, that's so. funny, man. We usually do like a segment at the end of our episode where we asked whoever we're interviewing like top five producers slash rappers like yeah the uh, is okay yeah so as far as producers um bomb squad original bomb squad mm -hmm. uh rick rubin yeah Premier. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. dre mm-hmm and this the last one is difficult because now you have to leave someone out, right? <laughs> Alchemist. Alchemist. Yeah. That's a good list. Yeah. And uh, what about MCs? MCs. Um, KRS. Yeah. Rakim. Mm -hmm. Kane. Mm -hmm. G Rap. Nice. Shit. <laughs> 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 this one is Shit. <laughs> I hate this game. I'm sorry we make it <laughs> so sadistic to my now. Oh, this is a good one. 
Top four for the MCs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, it is. Is there's like, yeah. there's there like voice wise, like there's Guru. Mm, yeah, you know, like there's from so being from LA, factors. there's Cube. Yeah, Cube. Yeah. Um, being just a Marvel, there's Pun. Big Pun is a just a force of nature. For real. Um. Wow, who would be the fifth? I mean, there is. I mean, the argument could definitely be made for Biggie or Pac, depending on what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Oh man, top four, huh? That's start, that's starting to sound a little bit better. Top four. <laughs> <laughs> top four. I'm gonna throw a curveball. I'm gonna throw a curveball. All right, all right. Yeah, we've got to the honorable mentions for. <laughs> I got a curveball. Yeah. Ramel Z. Oh. Ramel Z. Oh. I feel like I kind of class Ramel Z. What he did, the things that he, things that he. The styles that he innovated kind of brought forth in the Beastie Boys and yeah. Cypress Hill mm-hmm. and the whole Soul Assassins movement. A lot of things like that. Plus, you know, there's a lot of science involved in it. Like, ah, I don't know. If you ask me tomorrow, it might be a different top five. Yeah. But right now, yeah, that would probably be, I don't even remember what I said, but I know it ended <laughs> it with Ramel Z, list. so I'll leave it, I'll leave it there. That's that was, that was like, yeah, yeah. And I have one more question. All right. What what artists that you never got the chance to work with yet would you have wanted to work with or still want to work with? Artist, yeah, artist, not producer, producer, rapper. Just there's any. there's there's really three. Um, okay, there's really three. Producer, I, I would still like to work with Rick Rubin. Mm, yeah. Um, and then artists, um, Beastie Boys and De La Soul. Wow, I never got to work with Beastie Boys or De La Soul. I've we've done mad shows with day festivals and things with De La Soul. We met Beastie Boys in past. I think Ev did a remix of something for Beastie Boys before. Mm, cool, but I've never like. That's one of the things. I mean, as a graffiti artist coming up in LA, like the Beast License to Ill was like the theme track for like that time that we were really moving, like in the cruise. Room. It was like a graffiti, like knuckle. It was a bunch of knuckleheads running around trashing shit. So, what better than License to Ill? It's like a theme, it's like the soundtrack. We were wild into License to Ill. I mean, there was also like Public Enemy had just dropped and other things were popping. It was, you know, like Ultra Magnetic was popping. Like, we were into some real serious shit too, but like that BC, when it came out, we were like, ah! Let's go. Let's rebellious. Just break yeah, some yeah, shit yeah, and have yeah. some fun, and that was like, yeah. So yeah, different things like that. But yeah, Beastie Boys. You know, rest in peace. To, um, you already know what it is, man. MCA, yeah. Rest in peace. But rest in peace, MCA, But um, yeah, Beastie Boys and uh, Dale. I mean, there are other people too, but those are always at the top of my list of people that that I I haven't that I would like to. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Yeah. That's a, that's some great list. Yeah. Wow. Um. Thank you so much for yeah. for. Uh, Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you so much for for. This whole opportunity for this whole opportunity to talk to you awesome. in the in the flesh, like in the same room, which is yeah. nah, it's my living room. So I'm like, you guys are here. You came to the crib real quick. <laughs> it's, a, it's a nice living room. Thanks, too, man. So, I appreciate uh, it. Thank you. We, we work hard around. It. We work hard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Is there anything, uh, any projects that you're working on or? Um, I'm working. I mean, music wise or music wise, music? Uh, yeah, definitely not me personally. I would say um, um, whether or not some stores right now go support evidence is yeah, whether or not um, the B Junkie Institute of Sound is popping right now, which is the B Junkies DJ School. Babu's yes. whole DJ DJ team. 
Um, me personally, man, I'm you know I'm charging up right now. Like I would, if we if we we might have to do a follow up to this later because I have some things charging up that I'm I'm sworn to secrecy on. But there are a few mm -hmm. things that I've just I recently got. I don't I never wanted to just make a Crown of Thorns two because I made Crown of Thorns one. Right. Yeah. Um, I never wanted to just make an album because I could rhyme words at the end of sentences or whatever. I have a flow or whatever you the case is. Have something to say or yeah, and feel I like think you have yeah. What ends up happening is to you know it works both ways. Like I end up saying what I have to say. In, in a concise way so there's not much more to say on that you know unless yeah. something else changes and then it, so that's just how I, I'm just led by by being driven to express something so I don't know I've been feeling a little like a little tap on the shoulder a little bit like it might be you know there's some things that need to be expressed without just jumping into anything cliche like there's some things that are happening so there's some things happening for sure there'll be some things happening yeah. beautiful yeah. well um, we'd love to take you up on that once yeah, your secrecy absolutely non-disclosure yeah. agreements absolutely. Are, <laughs> absolutely. Are, are over um, and then I can I mean obviously you know you talked about trying to link with Ev I don't know if you want to link with Babs too on the producers you know Babs obviously world champion DJ but he's also oh, yeah. a producer one of the dilate producers yeah right um, yeah. but um, and I know that you're, you're out, of have, out of town in the next couple of days? Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you guys want to maybe set up some Skype with the original way you do it, I can try to link you with okay, Babs people or Ev's people or whatever. Crazy. Especially yeah. Ev having a new album out right now, he might yeah, be in totally. a position to do to talk about We'd it. We'd love, yeah. yeah, if that if you could help us make that happen, yeah. that would be great too. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's talk on like a Monday or something. Crew together. Yeah, we got sure. like a trilogy of... Awesome. Um, yeah, whatever we could do, and I'll keep you posted. And like I said, you know, just when when Harry Allen calls, whoever, however you guys are here, it's because Harry called, so... That that rings through through all the dilated. They know if if I say Harry called, then it's gonna happen, and it's you know through Martin and through whatever. Yeah, we're very privileged at this point that we, for some reason, managed to get the network going. That we're yeah. that we ended up. Sitting I don't know here. how it happened, but <laughs> <laughs> so. no, good people find each other. It's a dark world, so light it's finds true. light. You know, what yeah, I mean? like, that's how I see it. Like if I'm sitting in a dark room, the only thing I'm gonna see is that little sparkle over there. And I don't know what's between me and it, but I'm gonna try to figure out. Gotta the, go there. Yeah, so you get attracted to the light. So. Um, no, yeah, no, great. Oh, All right, thank you so much. My pleasure, really. Um, my pleasure. So, for the for the listeners, um, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Kick Knowledge Podcast, really? Instagram, Kick Lower Dash Knowledge, Lower Dash Podcast, and Twitter at Kick Lower Dash Knowledge. Uh, you can find us on our website, uh, kickknowledgepodcast.com, uh, as well as through rapanalysis.com. And, and we're on iTunes, Mixcloud, and Stitcher Radio. Yeah, so subscribe to us. Subscribe you and uh, show some love. And um, with that being said, peace. 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 <laughs> Yo, Zach, we just, let me turn on the music a little bit, sorry, easy. So we just, we just fucking with, left. With uh, Raka. Raka. At his house. Iris Science, in his living room. In Los motherfucking Angeles, man. Damn. We just recorded like a two-hour podcast yeah, with him. Great. Um, gonna try and put it out ASAP, I think. But mm -hmm. well, holy shit, did we kick some knowledge, or did he kick some knowledge mostly? Yeah, for real. Wow. Crazy. Crazy.